This week, we talk about some new announcements I just made at Less Annoying CRM, including a new leadership team. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. We always, before we start recording, he says, what's up? And I just repeated myself. Uh, no, yeah, I'm tired. I've been in meetings all day and it's uh, like, it's good, but I'm just kind of wiped. If I'm being honest, and I, I think you know what I'm going to say too. I think that that's probably one reason I'm hesitant to grow fast is when you, hi- when you grow, you have to hire people and the more change you have, the more meetings and meetings are exhausting. Yeah. It, I, I mean, there's a lot of rewarding stuff that comes out of it, too. I, like, one of the things I want to talk about today, actually, is I think I've got a good plan for having fewer meetings or at least concentrating my meetings on certain days better because I'm kind of coming out of a period of just, like, not much time for, uh, for deep work. And I think I've got a solution to it. Well, I'd love to hear it. Maybe I can apply it to being with a baby all day. <clears throat> I'm not sure if this is going to help you, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, well, let me start with this. So I kind of, every six months, I give, like... what I call the six-month presentation, very creatively named, um, to the company. So it's kind of like an internal presentation. And I just like give announcements and stuff like that. And so I announced a few things. I did this yesterday. uh, And one of them, well, two of them, I guess. One is we are reopening the office uh, starting May 26th, which is kind of scary and exciting. But everyone who is going to go in will be vaccinated. So I feel like it's safe enough. Um, And are you you requiring Mm -hmm. vaccinations? Or are you saying if you want to go into the office? Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, we're giving through the end of the year. Anyone can work remotely if either they're not vaccinated or they just even if they are, they might not feel comfortable, which is fine. Um, there will come a point where we're going to go back to like, yeah, you have to be in the office. Um, the other thing is we're I've talked about this before, but we're switching to a new remote work policy where Wednesdays and Thursdays will be in the office, and then Monday, Tuesday, Friday will be optional. So. I just, it was really awesome. Yesterday after I announced it, I went and like started moving all my recurring events and it like really started to feel real that life's going back to normal, hopefully. But uh, I realize now I can, I'm going to set Monday and Tuesday as no meeting days and I'll work from home. I'll nap if I want to nap. I'll come in late, work late. What I'll just like do my, what you know, as I like just not having a schedule. Um, and then Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, I'll have my meetings. Awesome. I'm glad we're moving the podcast recordings to Tuesdays because it works for you. Well, no, because you won't be exhausted. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I might have just woken up from a nap, though. You don't know. (laughs) I like groggy uh, Tyler better (laughs) than exhausted Tyler. Mm, That's fair. Do you think we should start publishing it on Tuesdays if we're recording it then or keep keep the same? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm sure nobody will care, but if anybody cares, let us know. Because normally we like we finish recording and it's published ten minutes later. So, am I going to like do it two days in advance? I don't know. I feel like you should just publish it. Yeah, people can change their schedules for us. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, that's one of the. Th- I've got other uh, updates on that, but what's what's up with you? So, well, I just want to be clear. Like, you, it sounds like you're you're stacking meetings to. You're basically saying we're going to have a couple of days a week where we have meetings and that way you won't be exhausted. You're basically just kind of drink, you know, eating the frog 
um, all at once versus taking little bites. Yeah. And I mean, not necessarily back to back to back meetings. So for I, I also said I'm tired right now because I just did a bunch of one-on-ones. I always do a one-on-one with everyone at the company right after this six-month presentation. Mm. In the past, I've done like six or seven a day, uh, like with no breaks in between them. Um, today, what I did was meeting, 30-minute break, meeting, 30-minute break. And I actually like that better. So I'm not necessarily going to be like a full day of meetings. But I like about what I think I will like about this is it gives me permission to not get individual contributor work done at least those two days, the the Wednesday and Thursday. And like, if I have free time, I can putter about the office. I can water the plants. I can say what's up to people. But like Monday and Tuesday will be my main days where I need to be productive. It's your leadership day. What Wednesday and Thursday are? Yeah. Yeah. To walk around and be yeah. present. <laughs> it's your, I'm it's, it's your CEO day. Yeah, I, which I, I I don't love. You know, I'm I'm an introvert. I don't generally love that type of thing. But I think as if I get two uninterrupted days, I think that's going to like recharge me, and and I'll be ready to do it. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's great, I, and I like that you're doing it at the beginning of the week too, because that lets you sort of you, you, once you have two really good days of work, you, you're kind of ready for some distraction. Yeah, um, so, yeah. You can't do five days yeah. like uh, every week. I got to give my team credit for this because I was going to do Tuesday and Wednesday in the office and they pushed back and they're like, no, we should do Wednesday and Thursday. And now I'm so glad that that's what we ended up doing. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I'm actually jealous of the schedule. And I think uh, it'll be interesting to see if other companies follow um, suit here or just for the same reasons do similar things because there's a lot of good reasons to do two days in the office, three days remote each week, um, and then stack meetings you know, towards the latter half of the week. Yeah. And sorry to drag this on. I'm also I also think our time in the office will feel that much more like special and energetic. Like some people are going to go in every day, but those two days when everyone's there, we're doing our once a week catered lunch, we're doing our com- team wide meeting. I think it's just going to feel like a really special two days. Um, well, we'll see. It's all in theory. <laughs> well, yeah. What I love hearing about your six month updates. What, any other big takeaways from your presentation or anything you can share? Yeah. So the other things I taught, it's like an hour and a half. It's like probably too long, to be honest. But the the big things I updated on, I gave a a big update on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, This has kind of been a big focus as a company, but I've been hesitant. I've been really bad about celebrating wins. Um, Like we've actually come a long way when uh, we, so we started the company in 2009. In 2017, the company was, there were only men on the dev team, there were no black people at the whole company, and all but one person graduated from the same college. Um, it was not a diverse company. And then we kind of got serious about it and like, it's much better now. It's not like where we want it to be, but it's much better. But I've been really hesitant to like celebrate that because it almost feels, it feels awkward celebrating something when you're still not where you want to be. It's like celebrating but, the 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 recent uh, case and conviction, like a lot of right, it's like a it's lot of black news. leaders are very hesitant to say, you know, this is good, right? And, and sorry, the fact that he got convicted is good, but like you'd wish it had never happened in the first place, yes, right? Yeah, it's yeah. not something you want to celebrate. Um, exa- yeah, that's exactly it. But then I thought about it. Actually, someone else brought this up to me. It's like, well, is our product where we want it to be? I'm like, no. Is our marketing where we want it to be? No. Do we hang our head in shame? And like act like not not take pride in the accomplishments we have made just because we're not where we want to be. And that I really resonated with me. And so I kind of took some time to just be like, yeah, we're not where we want to be here, but we've made so much progress. Let's actually celebrate it and continue celebrating it going forward, hopefully. I think that's a great way to celebrate wins in general. It's like 
we're, we're not where we want to be. That's a great, you can always say that we're not where we want to be, but this is worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a perfect qualifier of most wins. Like what, mm-hmm. what win are you ever where you want to be? It's like in, in business, there's not this like national championship at the end of the year that you compete for. It's you're never where you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I actually think if you want to be ambitious, you have to celebrate because like ambition comes with confidence. And if you're just constantly beating yourself for, uh, self up for all the stuff you don't have, you're not going to be able to set big goals and try and do even better. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel good about this. A terrible, like that, this was a big mistake I made for years at my last company. And I, 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 I'm still not good at celebrating wins, but I feel like you just gave me a massive, a really big tool, which is we're not where we want to be, but yeah, this is really, really good. Let's go yeah, have, cool. let's go celebrate. <laughs> well, both um, of us should, we can go do that. <laughs> well, um, we're not where we want to be with, you know, are we where we want to be with startup to last listeners or should we, mm. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, where are we? Like 200, 300, uh, 250? 250 subscribers according to transistor. Yeah. That's pretty good. Is that where we want to be? That. I mean, you always want more, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not where we want to be, but we should celebrate. Yeah. There we go. It is cool. But do you, do you look at the graph? It kind of like bounces around, but, uh, this is the first time we've been stable at about 250 before. That's cool. Yeah, I look on I yeah. haven't looked this week, but it's um it seems I mean, I feel it, it feels to me like we're consistently putting out a decent episode uh, without yeah, without much, you know, without setbacks. And uh so I I feel good about it. Yeah, me too. Celebration achieved. Congrats. <laughs> well, no, that was just an acknowledgement. What, what are we doing no, yeah, to celebrate? Oh, okay. Well, uh, as soon as we can travel, let's, uh, yeah, let's travel and meet up. <laughs> and have some Tank 7s. Tank 7s. Ugh, that destroyed us. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, that was fun. Um, back to things that other people will understand what we're talking about. Uh, my, my next update from the six-month presentation is, this is a big one. This is This is probably what I'm most excited about. So we've had a problem at the company for quite a while. This is like actually related to the DEI stuff a little bit, but a company, I think when it's really small, this doesn't matter, but as it gets bigger, it needs to have like a defined leadership team. I think, um, I've, there are quotes on this. I forget the exact quote, but basically like there is a power structure and if you don't define it, you you can't control it. And so it'll, it'll be dysfunctional if you don't say what it is. So you need to say what it is. We've never really done that at Less Annoying CRM. We've, we've never like, said who the leadership team is. And so the default has been that we have a group of people called like the partners, which are just the four first people to join. And they're we're, we're kind of all paid as a profit share, whereas everyone else at the company just gets a salary. And so the assumption, I think, from everybody has been like the leadership team is the partners. The problem is there will never be another partner. Like the partner group is not based on anyone's job function. It's based on when they were hired. And so like the company's structure has sort of outgrown the partner designation. So I announced a new like leadership team. Two of the partners are on it, but the other three people are non-partners. And so it, there's a lot of reasons for this, but it kind of gives like an avenue for people to grow into a leadership role, even if they weren't a partner. I think this is terrific. Um, I think too many companies probably outgrow their partnership structure and usually wait till something bad happens or they they react to something versus you know are proactive about making this shift so i this came out of nowhere from my perspective 
but it's probably something you put a lot of thought into and I commend you because this is, this is a very mature, uh, change, um, at, for a company of your size. And I'm sure that did your, does your team understand how rare a shift like this is and how low ego and teamwork over ego this is? Um, I, I think some do and some don't. And I, I particularly want to give credit to, so Bracken and Alex are the two partners who aren't on the leadership team. And like, yeah, the amount of, I mean, it took 11 years to build up enough trust with them to say, we're going to do this and not have them be like, does this threaten my role at the company? So all the credit to them to, to be willing to have this happen. Can you talk a little bit about how you see the f- responsibility difference uh, or breakdown between leadership team and partnership team? Yes. So, so like historically it's been both, right? Like just because there wasn't an alternative partners did what the leadership team should be doing. Um, going forward. So we're going to still have like the, par- basically what the partners did in the past is uh, every uh, probably two to four times a year, we would have like a partner meeting and that is like decisions are getting made all the time. I don't wait for a quarterly partner meeting to make most decisions, but if there's something that's like big picture, it really needs, it's too like it can't be discussed with the whole company. Like it's too many cooks in the kitchen or whatever, but it needs more than just me. I'll take it to the partner meeting and we'll discuss it and make a decision. That's what's been happening. Um, We're basically adding this leadership team and we're going to have that type of meeting with both. Now I don't, long-term probably I'm going to figure out, well, the partners do this and the leadership team does that. I think what it's going to be, partners are the people with the largest financial stake in the company Leaders, the leadership team is the people who like operationally are running the company, like in terms of people management and owning the outcomes. So I think it's sort of like at a at a more traditional company, the difference between like the executive team and the board of directors. I think the partners are the board of directors and the leadership team's the the executives. I, I think that's right. And so you're probably going to have sort of day-to-day stuff that gets escalated to the leadership team. And if the leadership team either needs approval from the partners because it's a big decision or wants input from the partners because it's a big decision, then they're going to escalate to the partner team. But I, I, ideally, like over time, some percentage of the things that partners were dealing with that are more sort of rich, you know, in real time, present day things next, let's just say next nine month things um, are going to stay with the leadership team and not get escalated to so the partner team can deal with fires, uh, present day fires that they absolutely have to provide input on, um, present day decisions. And then really the rest goes to long-term, like nine, nine months plus planning and a company, uh, strategy. Hmm. Yeah. I hadn't really thought through the like long-term versus versus short-term thing, but that, that makes a certain amount of sense. Um, I've got the the first leadership team meeting is going to be in like two weeks and I'm, I'm thrilled for this because I'll tell you what we're going to do in that one. I'm, I'm going to feel it out. I don't know what it'll be long-term. Normally, I do these one-on-ones with everybody at the company after the six-month presentation. And this is my time. This is like an emotionally draining thing because mostly the company is very... Like everyone realizes it's a good place to work. People don't rock the boat too much. But it's not a good thing to never get critical feedback. So these six-month meetings are when I kind of force people to give me that. So they're not doing it because they're unhappy or anything. But I basically... I send an email out before each one of these and I say here are a few questions. You have to answer two of them. And they're like, what are you least happy about? You know, they're that type of thing. So naturally I get 
critical negative feedback, which hurts. Like, <laughs> even though I asked for it, it's it's exhausting to get that. Normally, so I, I do all these meetings, I have to go act on all of it. I'm like thrilled because what I'm going to do this time is I'm going to go to the leadership team and I'm going to be like, here are the problems. What are we going to do about it? And like, I don't feel like it's entirely on my shoulders now, which is like a very cool feeling. I, I think that's great. You're, the other side of this is that it's scaling you, right? And mm-hmm. I assume that you picked the leadership. I don't know how much I, I didn't. I haven't asked the question because it's gets into you know per, personal stuff. But um, you know, I would love. It, I assume you picked the leadership team based on the key p- areas of the company yeah. that you need to have your eye on, but you also are able to delegate seventy percent or more. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, to these people. So is that how you did it? Um, or is there an exception? Yeah. So here's, uh, f- first of all, I should say like the key thing is this can change. Whereas the partner group can't change, the leadership team can. Here's how I approached it. I guess, let me know what you think, although it is kind of <laughs> already done. So if you hate it, sorry. Uh, but what, what I did is first like mapped out, how do I think the company currently runs? And very simple org chart. CEO, Three departments, uh, customer service, product, and growth, like marketing and stuff like that. And then uh, something I didn't mention from the DNI, D- DEI talk that I did in this presentation is basically say, we shouldn't think of that as a separate department because they aren't, like a separate department is not empowered to change, like DEI happens within the main departments, right? Like it's hiring and promotions and culture. So instead, let's think of it as a layer upon which everything else is built. But basically, there are four important things, the three departments and then this DEI layer. So basically, the leadership team is me, the leads of each of those three departments, and then the main DEI person is Malia, who's actually been on this podcast before. So it's me, Michael is the CRM coach person, Robert is the um, the dev team lead, Eunice is our marketer, and then Malia. So cool. I'm, I'm just thrilled to bring them problems and be like, you know, not that I, I'm still going to be involved in solving them, but just be like, it's going to be a team effort. It's going to be so cool. I <laughs> okay. uh, can't wait to hear about how the team comes together because that'll be an interesting group of people to throw a problem at and see how they yeah. interact with each other and sort of, I don't know, they probably have problems solved together, but not maybe they're not that specific team. Um, mm-hmm. And so that'll be really interesting to watch. I'd love to hear updates on how this goes. Did you do something like this at People Keep? Like, I know you had board meetings, but did you have more like a the peop, the employee leadership meetings? Yes, and I tried everything. What I one thing that I got wrong was I tried to put. First of all, I had a lot of pressure on me, and I put a lot of pressure on myself, and I put a lot of pressure down of br- having people meet a certain standard and speed. Which, uh, when I put experienced people in the same room, experienced leaders in the same room with uh, aspiring leaders, um, Mm -hmm. it it didn't work. Um, We the pace that we needed to move made some people feel very uncomfortable, but without those people in the room, there was a department sort of missing, and it kind of comes good. Well, I'm curious. So the the experienced people wanted to move faster, or was it that like they they had more bureaucracy and the aspiring people wanted to move faster? I I wanted to move faster. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, the the people the the even the and and yeah the people the more experienced people wanted to move faster, um and, and it made the person who who we needed in the room, uh feel 
not in a good place, not safe. Um, mm. And so, and I think so. I, that that was a venture back company with limited funding, dealing with a regulatory existential threat. Um, and I would do it differently if I could go back and do it differently. I don't worry about that with with your situation because you're you're start to last company, um, and you you don't have this pressure i think that is that that you're going to be putting on this team to to move based on uh speed i think they're going to move based on outcome and um i i i'll be very interested to see how it goes i have i think it'll go well cool i appreciate that i am I, i'm a i i do want to keep an eye on that like this doesn't add bureaucracy like We've got yet another team and yet another recurring meeting. So I do want to um, like be aware. Uh, I, d- I don't want to push them to move too fast the way maybe like was happening for you. But like, I also don't want to be like, let's meet and discuss stuff. And, you know, pl- we'll just keep talking about it in the next meeting, you know, never get yeah. anything done. Here's one maybe example just to sort of drive home the point before we move switch topics. Uh, let's say that there's a discussion that let's say um, is normally it's, it's, it's say it's, it's not quite a partner level discussion, but it's like, it's, it's high enough level where it's not any one department, but it's a, it's a pretty critical and time sensitive issue. Um, Mm -hmm. There's going to be a pace of conversation that maybe Michael can move at uh, as an example, because he's been in those partner meetings and he's been part of those, uh, those conversations that that maybe um, one of your newer leadership team members is going to be like, wow, this is like they're going to have a more of an emotional reaction to it, and more of like a uh, what what is it? Uh, wow, this is really happening. Sort of, oh my gosh, this is the first time I'm dealing with this deer in headlight feeling. And I think what you've got to decide is, are you going to create those situations and then work through them together? Or do you want to bypass those and sort of ease into them? Um, and I think if I could go back and do it again, one of the things I would do differently is I would be very careful about those uh, who I had in the room for those deer and headlight situations and minimize, uh, I probably have like a sub leadership team almost for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that helps at all. That's a great, no, that absolutely. I just took a note for, um, I think there are a lot of things that can be problems, but all you have to do is just say it out loud. And then they're not they're not problems anymore. My favorite example of this being like every time we hire people, they're so overwhelmed the first few days. We tried so hard to solve it. And eventually we tried this. Their first day I said, You're gonna be overwhelmed the first few days. Don't worry about it. And that just fixed it. <laughs> they were like, Oh, okay, this is normal. Uh this feels like the type of thing where I need to say, listen, we're gonna make bigger decisions than some of you have ever been a part of making. I'm used to this. I'm not going to let us do something stupid that's going to like drive us into a ditch, but you need to be prepared for the fact that this is going to feel like we're moving really fast. Just saying that I think is probably, it's not going to totally address it, but I, I, I love that reminder from you. That's, I, I love that. And then maybe just for you, just be on the lookout for where you're seeing someone maybe uh, get a little bit. I think what you're asking people to do on this, when, when you ask them to be a part of our leadership team is to take responsibility for the company outcome at a level that they haven't yeah. before. And uh, that can take a toll, especially when people don't know that like 
they, they don't know how to like to compartmentalize that for lack of a better word. And so mm-hmm. I think just being aware of like how newer leadership team members are, are, are responding to that burden, um, a burden of leadership, I guess, is just mm-hmm. something that maybe it might be more pronounced now that you're calling them the leadership team and talking about things that leaders talk about that aren't necessarily specific to their domain. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I I did make a point in the presentation of being like the way a company works, the way every company works is ultimately the owners decide anything they want to decide. And so I kind of made a point of being like this, this isn't a democracy. Bracken and I are going to make all the decisions or I'll make ones that I want to make as CEO. And some of them go to like, you know, the quote unquote owners. But this is like an advisory board, basically. I love it. I, I mean, I, I I think this is great. I, you know, I push you to put more pressure on your people. You're, you're mm-hmm. very careful not to put too much pressure. This, this is, this is a pressure thing. You're putting pressure on these people. Um, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see how you, you approach balancing that given that you're very good at not putting pressure on people. I'm sure, I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot from watching you lead the leadership team. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll try to give updates if I don't know if anything interesting will happen, but if so, I'll, I'll give updates. Um, Holy crap. What a big update. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll admit I, these presentations, this was a bigger update than normal. Uh, but I spend like, I think a good 40 hours prepping one of these presentations. Cause it's just like, if you, if you communicate this stuff wrong, I think it can like really hurt morale. And if you communicate it right, I mean, we can take leaps forward in this one presentation or like not, not just the presentation, but like the decisions being communicated. So I'm, I'm kind of like exhausted and full of adrenaline at the same time right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. Good job. Anything, uh, uh, do, you, do you have anything uh, else related to the, the six month update? I think I, um, the other two things I have already talked about. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing the one-on-ones and looking forward to that first leadership team meeting. And then uh, I'm also really excited about my schedule shifts. I'm also going to 10, 10 to six, uh, like instead of nine to five, I'm shifting my personal schedule. I'm just I'm changing everything right now. Wow. Wow. That's big. Change. <laughs> yeah. Wild stuff. Huh? <laughs> no, I don't really have anything else. Uh, what's going on with you? Well, um, I continued my work on leg up health content. And so I fixed a ton of SEOs. I took my AHRFs score to 96 up from 14 i've had a huge bug uh i had a, a, a snippet that was used on all of my blog pages that had a h1 in it so it was a double h1 which is a pretty bad uh, seo blender that's bad um and so i just made one like tag change in webflow and fit and like it bumped the score to 90 um wow. so it i don't know if that had was having a huge impact on google or not but anyway i that was worth paying for Ahrefs. Um, can you I, go ahead. if you see if you see your search traffic increase? Can you let me know? Because like I've seen zero correlation between my Ahrefs score and tra- traffic. But as you've pointed out, I also like made a lot of other changes, so I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, this will. I mean, the only thing, the only other thing I'm doing really with Leg Up Health is putting more content out there and then doing a better job of interlinking, doing on-site stuff. So it's all yeah. related to Ahrefs. So I'll let you know if my if I see a major increase. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel really good about the articles I'm putting out. It's funny. Like once you start writing articles, you realize, okay, I really need to, to really, to really provide a good reader experience. I need to be able to link to this article and I don't have it. So I need to write that article. And then you're like, Oh, I wrote that article. And now it's like, I got to write these three other articles. So I've written way more already than I had set out to do, but I have a bigger backlog of 
content mm-hmm. than you know what I started with. So I've got to figure out where I where this ends. Um, but I'm not. I think uh, I think I'm. I, I think I could stop now. But the only reason I'm not stopping is because, frankly, this is good work to be able to do with the schedule I have. Mm. With the you know you can fit it around the raising the baby. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. And it's fulfilling. So. Um, it's great stuff too. I mean, every, every piece of content you write, I mean, some, some will hit and some won't, but like on average it's, you're, you're building an asset here in a way that a lot of other type of work doesn't do. Exactly. And what I realize with every piece I write, the real work that I'm working on is the ultimate, is the, is the guide, the walkthrough to help that, to help the leg up health user, like buy health insurance, um, you know, it's that, it's that, uh, super, super service that I'm building. Mm -hmm. And this is foundational stuff for the super service. And that gets me really excited. So I kind of want to get through all the base level stuff so that I can go up to the next level, which starts pulling this stuff together and at the, at, in a more of a outcome based, um, uh, manner. So um, it's good. I'm going to keep doing it. I have an SEO question, uh, for you. Real quick. Sorry. Can, can I just riff off one thing you said before we do that? You mentioned something that, so if anyone listening has aspired to create content, but hasn't like done it, my experience, let me know if this meshes with you, is until you start, you have like one or two content ideas and you're just like, how am I going to keep going? Like, what else am I going to write about? And what you just said happens to me every single time I start writing, you write a post and you're like, I want to link to oh, I used the term flywheel. I haven't explained what a flywheel is. I should write an article on flywheel. I use this other term. I should explain what that is. Until you start writing, you don't have any ideas, but they just come automatically, I think. Writing spiders. It's a mm-hmm. spi- it, it's it's like a, it branches out into all sorts of opportunities. And the, the key is not being paralyzed by that and not hitting publish. Like what I used to do, and this was bad, when I first started writing a lot, um, I would start an article. And then before I finished that article, I'd go write the other article. And then it would be this never ending drafting yeah. uh, process. And the key is uh, finish your first idea, get it to a publish, pub- publishable state. That way, even you can publish it if you want to. If you don't want to go write the next article, but you have it ready to publish when you realize, oh, I got to hit, I got to hit publish on something. A lot of people, yeah. I think, never finish things. I've gone through that same experience. What, what I do now, I do what you're saying. But I, I use Notion to manage all, all of my writing. I create the new post, and at the bottom of it, I say, make sure to update this other post to link to this once this one's done. So I remember to go back and put the links in later um, rather than just like missing those links entirely. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I realized I, I was going to shift the topic to SEO. I'd like to cover some SEO stuff with you today. But while we're on the topic of writing, have you heard of um, Rome? Rome Research? Yeah, the app? Rome Research. Do you know anything mm-hmm. about it? Sort of. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like a competitor to Notion and some of these other newer age note-taking apps. Have you used it? So I, I, I think it's not competitive with Notion. I think it's additive. Um, okay. But I can't fi- I haven't, I signed up for an account. I have a trial going on right now. It is a new way of thinking about note-taking based on some guy's book or methodology that was a prolific research writer um, or idea guy. And uh, I was hoping you might know something about it to shortcut my research, but this has been recommended to me like by multiple people as something that I should use. Um, I'm like an extreme hater of the idea, but keep in mind, I haven't used it. 
Yeah. So the, but the, I believe the idea is to sort of network your thoughts, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and have a system that is less, um, you know, up and down for lack of a better word uh, in terms of the, the natural bullet list, but more, um, you know, connected across ideas so that you can see what, um, what different ideas have in common, um, and, and yeah, and they, create new they ones. don't have folders. You're not supposed to organize everything. You just you just like tag stuff and all that. But and he, I get the impression this is one of those companies, though, where like that. Uh, what, what's another version of the superhuman, the email client where they're like, oh, you know, email's going to change forever. We, we've all seen these things. And then you use the product and you're like, what's what's so different about this? I've, I've watched videos and stuff on Rome. Like I haven't used it, but I've, I've done, I think, my due diligence here. It seems like the only feature. It's just a note taking app that not only can you link from one post to another, but when you make that link, there's also a backlink in the other direction. That, to me, is all I could figure out that's in any way different about it, which, by the way, Notion does. Notion has that also. So I don't get, oh, it's this new way of thinking. Like I don't understand how it's a new way of thinking. It's on my list to figure out. I want to put some time into this because it's it's hitting the point of like, okay, this is coming up so many times relative to what I'm working on that... Yeah. Um, if one more person tells me to go check out Rome without me knowing what Rome is, I'm, you know, I, there's a problem. So I'll, I'll report back on this at some point. And if you're a listener and you totally get Rome and you can explain it to me in other under 600 words, I would love to hear from you. If you can't, please, like I've talked to enough people who can't explain what Rome is. Um, <laughs> like, like, like you just have, like most people will tell me, Oh, you have to go take a six hour course to understand what Rome is. Oh, you have to go read a book to understand what Rome is. And I'm, I'll, I'm willing to do that. But if you, if you feel like you've got to f- figure it out, like I'd love to, I'd love someone to shortcut this for me. Yeah. Um, all right. So in the other, like related to that, um, I had lunch with a friend this week, um, first in-person lunch with a like non-family member in a long, long time. Uh, and he recommended a, a, an app that I just want to shout out before we go back to SEO. Um, that changed my life. And this is, have you heard of Readwise? I have not. Okay. Uh, so I, I'm a Kindle for lack, of, I don't want to say the word, but I love Kindle. Um, and I read all my books on Kindle and I take prolific notes on Kindle and I highlight stuff. In fact, my note taking process, when I post notes on for my newsletter at ricklinquist.com is I actually go through the Kindle and copy and paste out of Kindle or take notes of my highlights into a Google doc before and then organize them and curate them and then post them. Readwise syncs with Kindle and put imports all of my notes and then lets me export them to a text file. Hmm. All of my highlights in terms of publishing notes on ricklinquist.com. It say it's just probably going to save me. I don't know, an hour per hundred pages of content. Huge. I'm very, very happy. Why I didn't know this existed for the last two years, I have no idea. But um, if you take notes in Kindle and you want to import them into Notion, you want to import them into Rome, ex- you know, import them into an Excel spreadsheet or a Word file or Google Doc, check out Readwise. Cool. I feel like I should be using a Kindle. I, I've, I still read. When I read, I read old school, real books. But yeah, like notes and stuff like that are... There's not a good workflow there. <laughs> no, there's not. And these guys have really solved it. It's really clean. Is, um, it, is it paid? Like, are paid. you paying for it? Yeah, I, I'm in a free trial, 30-day free trial right now. But I, 
the cost is negligible compared to the time it will save me. Um, I, eight, gosh, I, eight bucks a month. It looks yeah, like that's what it looks like. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to pay for it. Um, and shout out to Mike Willie, who's my buddy, um, who, uh, <laughs> recommended that to me. I'm not sure if he listens to this podcast or not, but thanks. <laughs> nice. So SEO. SEO. Okay. Are you doing any schema markup for SEO purposes? Let me make sure. I I, th- I think I know what that is, but let me make sure. That's like you can um, do like when you search Google, they'll show kind of a rich preview of like like the time I've thought about using the, the answer is no, I haven't. But the time I've thought about using this is I help my mom with her food blog and recipes are a really common one for this where you can be like, how many calories is it? How many servings? And it'll show that in the Google results. Yes. And a couple other examples are FAQs. Um, mm. You know, when you search a question and other questions pop up, um, enriched content. Another example is uh, like like this podcast, for example, um, when you search Start to Last, little cards show up for each episode. Um, that's because of, I believe, what Apple does with their uh, episode listings uh, in terms of schema markup. Um, so there's lots of different applications of this. Google actually has a guide to like all the things you can use schema markup for, like weather, um, basketball player profiles, sports team schedules, that kind of thing. Uh, anyway, um, I, it seems like no one's doing it relative. Like it seems like this is schema markup is today what blogging was in 2008. Um, and it feels like if you jump on this schema markup bandwagon, now you might have a leg up um, on com- competition with SEO. What do you think about that? Um, if you're doing recipes or some of those other things, sure. I'm like, what would you or I? I you, it sounds like you've looked through their whole list of types of content. Do you, do you have a sense of what you would do with it? Well, I, I haven't looked at through everything, but FAQs are one that are really like a lot of people are searching FAQs for health insurance and. Mm-hmm. So I, and we have, I think we're going to have really good content there. So I think there, that's one. Um, another is, uh, how to's and definitions. So I think I, that's an opportunity terminology for. So, like so what's a, an example? I want to do a search where I see this, um, type in, uh, what is schema markup? You see where it says, okay. People, so the thing people also ask. Yes. Yep. Okay. So you, yep. you can't. You, okay, so for anyone listening, you've definitely seen this. There's like kind of a the main result at the top, and then there's a section that says people also ask with little uh, accordion sections that you can expand to see it. So in order to show up there, you have to do the schema markup. You can't like Google's not just taking random web pages and putting it in there. The other term for this is structured data, and basically, um, you. It, I'm trying to think of like other examples, but. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not quickly finding them. Recipes are a great one. Like that's actually the example that they used on this on this page. But if you de- developers.google.com, if you go there and search uh, structured data, you'll find advanced SEO, hmm. uh, you know, example of this. And yeah, all of the examples are actually recipes, ironically. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you you. But yeah. Webflow actually makes it really easy to automate structured data um, because you actually do have to write code, a script to send. Uh, the structured data to Google. So this is more uh, advanced. It's not just metadata on the page. No. So you write a script and it like basically puts in this JSON structured data, but you can fill all that with collection data. So if you build for collection lists, like health, like for example, I have a lot of health insurance collection lists on specific plans available in the marketplace. I could potentially do a lot of JSON based structured data 
you, you know, for, you know, one to many with each of those plans. Dude, this is brilliant for Google. Instead of having to scrape a bunch of web pages and try and figure out what's on it, the whole world's data is being structured according to their schema and sent directly to them. Mm-hmm. Which, so, okay, I think you're probably right that there's an opportunity here. I am pretty skeptical about this type of thing these days. Not not the specific idea, but like in 2010, there were all these tech companies that they were like big, they were maybe in the billions of dollars, but they had not taken over the world yet. They weren't, they, they didn't hit a point where like the whole market was already consumed and they have to squeeze out new things. And at the time, there was a lot of surplus left for people like us with Google search, with Facebook, with Pinterest. I don't. I think those times are past us. Anything Google does like this, it is not to bring people to our websites to give us money. Maybe temporarily it is, but I'm I'm just very jaded about this type of thing. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, again, yeah. The the perfect example of this would be, you know, I do all this, I get all the data in there about health insurance for Google and the perfectly formatted thing, and then they buy, you know, a health insurance agency and start selling health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, probably they won't do that exactly, but I mean, they're going to get into healthcare. All these companies are. Speaking of which, I didn't have this on the update list, but Google actually mm-hmm. did something good for once. Um, they are ro- rolling out certification requirements for insurance AdWords, health insurance related AdWords. Nice. So in one of the biggest problems that consumers face when they go Google for health insurance is that they click on an ad and then they think they're getting equipped for health insurance, but their health insurance, their information gets sold to like 20 agents and they get spammed. Mm-hmm. Um, Google is trying to com- combat that by requiring people to prove that they are um, licensed entities um, or government entities before they um, get their ads approved. That's cool. Still nothing stopping them from selling their data, but like it at least means some random scammer that isn't licensed can't Correct. intercept it. Correct. Yeah. yeah probably, in reality, the people that are doing this are probably already licensed, so it probably won't do anything, but I liked the idea. So anyway, that that was the SEO conversation I wanted to have. I'm, I'm going to look into it. It's not a high priority, but it seems like something that uh, if I can find a, a good use case for the structured data, it's worth implementing. Yeah. I uh, And to... Go back on my cynicism here. If you try stuff like this, most of the time it doesn't pan out, right? It's pro- probably this will get killed by Google in a few years. But if you try enough things, being early to something is huge. Like the whole reason my mom's food blog is a full-time living for her is she was just, she hit Pinterest at the right time. So I do think there's like something to be said for just anytime there's a new thing. And this isn't actually that new, but it's still not widely adopted if you can get it at the right time and then it becomes big, riding that wave is a great marketing win. Yep. And Webflow, if you're on Webflow, they make it super easy to do this, which is Okay. I'm going to check unique. it out to you then. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'll, that's... Well, I'll, I'll, stay with, I'll stay with my updates real quick. Um, so I also... I don't know. But it seems like a year ago, maybe half a year ago, I don't know, some many months ago, I reviewed... Lindquist, reflected on where I was with ricklinquist.com, my newsletter, and I said, I need to make some improvements to the on-site conversion um, before I really worry too much about marketing or changing anything else. Again, like I'm not really productive right now, but this is something that was super motivated. Like I wanted to do, so I took it off the shelf and I uh, implemented some major improvements, in my opinion, to ricklinquist.com within the limits of Squarespace. 
by the way, I cannot wait to switch my personal website to Webflow, but I did not want to bite that off right now. <laughs> so uh, I basically went through and updated all of the ConvertKit forms. Oh my gosh, ConvertKit has come so far since when I signed up with them. I, I like they've really improved their huh. services. So because I was really, you know, it wasn't that long ago that when I when I was launching Less Knowing Business, I asked you how you felt about ConvertKit, and you were so so, and I was like, I'm surprised to hear that. But it's you know, just because they weren't good before. Maybe they were good, but they're great now because, um, like one example was the way I'd embed like. I, I was having email deliverability problems. I found that issue, fixed that. I was having uh, confirmation email issues. I found the issue with that, corrected it. Um, I was When I updated um, a CTA or form in ConvertKit, it was not pushing the, the update live. I had to go replace the JavaScript snippet, hmm. um, which across nine, 100 pieces of content, that's a really big pain in the butt. Their new JavaScript, snippet updates automatically when you update it in convert kit. So that was huge. Um, and, uh, so anyway, that was a big, big improvement. And then I, I just made some, some messaging changes to my sort of offer my newsletter offer on the website. It's, you know, it's location, it's, it's content. Um, and then I added, uh, I also uh, improved sort of my, confirmation flow so that hopefully more people I was getting, it was ending, having a lot of people sign up for the newsletter, but not confirming their email. Hmm. Um, so I think I've addressed the, the root cause of that. And then, uh, you know, now I've kind of put it back out there and I'm interested to see if more, like if I get a bet more, a higher onsite, like traffic to, con, um, subscriber rate. Yeah. Cool. Cause you are getting, a, a nice steady stream of subscribers as it was, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm almost at uh, 200 subscribers now. How many, like in a typical month do you add like a few? Uh, 20. I don't know. I'm at about oh. 20 now. It really picked up recently. Okay. Yeah. That's, do you know where they're coming from? You know, I don't have good analytics at all in April. I'm just looking real quickly. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, twenty ish so far in April. Wow, that's that's ridiculous. Like, do, do you even know like how much traffic you're getting? No, I can look it up though. I'd be interested. I mean, we we don't need to do that right now. I'd be interested to know because this is something on on less annoying business. I, you know, same idea. I want to get traffic and then get them to sign up for the newsletter. And I'm getting a slow trickle, like maybe a couple people a week or something like that. But the way I really get them is I send them through, to, like I tweet something that gets a little traction or like our less annoying CRM newsletter sends a link. It's not like just random strangers on the internet. It's primarily organic search. So, and I'm getting about, I don't know, 100 to 250 to 200 users per day. Wow. Okay. Just, just searching for whatever. And okay. Yeah. That's, that's encouraging. Cause I mean, you're not like spending a huge amount of time promoting that. You're you're just writing content and going about your life, right? No, I mean the first year I I I did like the only promotion I did was tweet, LinkedIn, occasional Facebook share, and then Quora question with link back. That was mm. it. Okay. Are you? And but you're not doing any of that now, are you? I'm not doing. I, I'm a, I'm still trying to do the Twitter and LinkedIn thing, but I don't force it, and I I rarely do a Quora post now. Hmm. <laughs> I should try Quora though. That's on my list, but well, that's, I, I'm encouraged by that. I mean, that sound those sound like really good numbers and, uh, kind of gives, it, it's just about being in the game for a long time, I guess. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just time. And then I also think that, uh, the con I'm writing a lot of long tail stuff. Um, and mm. I mean, I'm writing long tail and long form. So like my notes, if I write a book, if I write notes for like a, say a book, like notes on killer marketing, my experience is that within one week or two weeks, I'll be in the, on the first page for anyone searching for notes. on That's the book. so smart that this is, I've talked before about one of my strategies is to pick like a not very popular software tool and like write a tutorial on it. But writing book notes is even better because you're you're reading the books anyway. That's brilliant. I like that a lot. Yep. And th- that's why Readwise, going back to my shout out, is such a big deal because it, the cost to produce notes just went down to near zero. Like all I have to do is now is curate my notes. But before I was spending so much administrative time transferring them from one place to another place where I could edit them. Hmm. I want to put more thought into this. The idea that someone else is out there generating de- search demand for a keyword, but nobody is, you know, whoever the, the main person is, is filling in the first result, but nobody's fighting for the, the rest of the front page. That's that's a goldmine of long tail. I wonder oh, yeah. what other opportunities there no, are that's there. A, that's a great point. And that's, I love, it's, it's, it's inter- we're coming at it from totally different perspectives. Like mine is books, talks, essays, speeches, people. Um, and you're doing it with, you know, software providers. Like, wh- like I think of, you know, what you're not going to rank on the first page for anything related to Webflow, but mm-hmm. you know, in Leg Up Health, this is Select Health. Like, it's insurance companies. Like, what's the long tail of healthcare? It's, uh, uh, yeah, but I like you. So we're we're both doing this, whether intentionally or not. I like yours so much better because content pe- people who write content are great at getting audiences and terrible at business. So like the, mm. the, I would imagine the competition relative to volume has got to be so in your favor here. I wonder what other areas are like that where they're, 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 I guess it's content producers are really good at producing content. Yeah, getting which, people getting interested in searching yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what hmm. they do, right? They, they inspire people to, to search for things. You know, I, I just like, I totally slept on, I, I subscribe to your newsletter. I see your notes all the time. I totally slept on how that might be a good SEO thing. I might have to steal that and write a couple book notes myself. That's so smart. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We just but, can't yeah. read the same books. <laughs> or um, we'll have a competition uh, between, uh, between like whose notes are better. And, and, you know, I guess one, one competition is in Google's eyes and the other is uh, the reader's. Yeah, well, you don't have to worry because I can't actually finish a book, so I think you're safe. <laughs> um, well, uh, what else? Um, so I think I'm approaching having more free time. I mentioned partially j- just like I'm re- readjusting my schedule, uh, but also a lot of things that I've been spending time on are just kind of winding down. So I think probably like late May, I'm just going to have a couple days a week to work on stuff. Um, I'm trying to figure out what, what to do with that time. Cause I know if I don't like, if I'm not delivered about it, just random crap's going to fill it. And I want to be deliberate. Gosh, I wish I could ha- say the same thing right now. I'm so jealous. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what, do you have a list of ideas? Um, not exactly. I mean, I, the two main categories are like marketing or, coding probably. And by coding, I I guess I mean something related to like making the product better. Certain marketing projects involve coding, but um, yeah, because we had a developer leave. So part of me is like, should I, should I get back in and actually try to be an individual contributor on the the product team? But the flip side of that is like, we're probably understaffed on marketing and that's 
Like we have five developers and maybe I should go after marketing. I don't know. I'm pretty torn. Well, that wasn't very helpful. Uh, do you like, do you, <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> um, like what's the biggest, it feels like to me, you've worked on, a, this is an observation. I feel like you've worked on a lot of, it feels like something you need to do with less annoying business. We talked last episode. I just listened to the last episode right before this episode. So I'm fresh. Why not put a course, another course together on customer service? Yeah, that's that's a fair point. So, okay, let let me break marketing into two possibilities. One is tofu marketing, which would be probably that, or maybe doing the Quora thing, or maybe doing paid ads. But like, I'm already writing one or two blog posts a week, like tofu blog posts that like that's on cruise control. I'll keep that up. So I could spend this extra time doing something more deliberate, or I could do something more bofuish and say like. I could go optimize the onboarding experience for less annoying CRM or something like that. But I hear you. Yeah. Um, staying focused on tofu. Yeah. It seems like you've got a team assembled that's going to over time gobble up the mofu and bofu opportunities. And when I say that, I mean, middle of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. And you've got some free time to go swing some, you know, make some, make some uh, home run swings, go do some tofu stuff. Yeah. I agree. This is not to disagree with you. I just want to get a little more specific. There's a team and really one person, but still uh, doing the MoFu and BoFu stuff. But there's a side of BoFu that is technical that she can't do. So like once you get into the app, there's a certain type of marketing project that's like, you know, after you sign up, the blank slate experience on certain pages or if you haven't customized your pipelines, maybe we should like try to guide you to do that, that type of thing. I'm probably the only one at the company with the right balance of like business interest and technical. Having said that, that's not where our weakness is. Like our onboarding is good. It's not great, but it's it's good, whereas our top of funnel is terrible. Yeah. So Plus, okay, like, <laughs> it feels like to me, like, what are you most excited about right now? It's probably tofu. Where's your biggest constraint uh, for growth at uh, at less annoying CRM, it's tofu. Um, where it, it's also where is, the most likely to fail, though. Yeah, but that's like that's yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. That's fair. Um, th- th- can I like go down a rabbit hole here? Yeah, of course. Like this is sort of related to we're kind of going through this thought experiment now. One of these questions that I asked, I said for these one on ones I'm doing, I send questions out and I say you have to answer one of these. One of the questions is, what if, if we make three hires, like what should the next three hires be? I say three because I think two are easy. Like everyone knows we're already kind of looking for a designer and a developer. So what should the third one be is really the question. Um, and from the few people I've talked to, like most people are split between a developer and a marketer. And the argument, the, the debate is basically, is marketing, like let's say the goal is to grow, it's, it's growth. Is a marketer going to be better at that or is a developer? Um, and that's, it's similar to the kind of discussion we're having here, where if I went and built a kind of growth focused feature into the product, rather than writing tofu content, what type of, like what's in our DNA as a company better. So anyway, I, I, I see your, your side of things and I think you're probably gonna, I'm going to agree with you, but I want to keep thinking about it. I don't know. I feel like, uh. Unless, I mean, it's, you're, you've got this free time coming up. 
do you feel like you've ex- like do you feel like you can spin up another experiment in addition to less annoying business? That would be it, to me. It's like definitely top of the funnel. So let's just not even talk about anything else. But maybe it's some. Oh, maybe it's if th- that's some the case, other- then no. Like okay, I'm a big believer in this. Is the same. I'll draw a parallel with people who are trying to start like their first successful business. And I'm sure you've observed observed this before. Someone gets something like $500 MRR and they're like, I'm going to go start another thing. And like their plan to get to 10,000 MRR is like 10 different things at a thousand. And I always think that's crazy. Diversifying because your thing didn't work at all. Fine. But like taking something from 500 to 10,000 is so much easier than taking something from zero to 500. Right. So like if I'm going to continue investing in tofu, I think it would be nuts to not stay focused on less annoying business. And why don't you apply that same concept to your time? Well, my time is already focused on product. It's not like product would if I if I were doing that, I wouldn't start less annoying business, you know? Well, yeah. Well, then you're I'm saying you've already started it. So don't. You know, like double. I'm not down. uninvolved with product though. Like a lot okay. of my time is already spent on product. Um, I, I hear you, you though. I, I think you're probably right. Go do another. I, I feel one thing you told me at the beginning is I'm going to do more courses. I don't know which course hit, but my bet is I'm I'm playing VC game here. If I do ten courses, one of them's going to hit big. And the quicker you get to whatever number of courses you need to get to to have one hit big or not hit big, like I feel like that's where you need to go. Yep. Okay. I'm I'm mostly convinced. Let me w- one final pushback against this. I don't necessarily know how to market a course. Is it possible that trying to market my current course, not to get it to win, but to build those muscles before I take my next swing would be an, a, a thing to do? You're talking to a guy who I, uh, I'm, I'm not a build it and they will come guy, but I want an arsenal of content before I start promoting any of it. Like hmm. I, I will start promoting at some point, both leg up health Rick and Rick Lindquist.com. But it's, it's going to be when I have, when I feel really confident that when I'm, whoever I'm promoting to is going to get a lot of value. And I don't, I'm, I'm saying I, I don't guess I don't have that right now. Maybe do you? Well, I think that's the nice thing about a course is it's very self-contained. So mm. is my course the the one on how to build a website is it good or not? I mean, who could say, but I, th- I think I feel good about it. And maybe I don't have other stuff beyond that. The, the play with the course though, is sort of a viral loop, right? Like it's so good. People are sharing it, right? Like, sure. I guess. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it feels like, I don't know. I, the, the thing that I took away from the last episode was there are certain areas where you have some unique insight, um, and I'm not saying that the last course didn't have unique insight. It did, but it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't like, wow, this is a totally different take on, it was better. It was better content on how to build a website. Yeah, There's nothing out there around customer service, like what you can offer. And I have, I think, I think it, it has the You're potential. Right. You got me. You're right. Okay. <laughs> It has the potential to stand out. <laughs> yeah, no, no one. Even if someone takes my website course and likes it, they're not going to think like this is an opinion that the world needs to hear or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so it's not shareable. Yeah, and I go back to like the more it's less annoying business. Like, can we be a little bit more obnoxious about less being less annoying? You remember how obnoxious you were with less annoying CRM? You just created a platform that lets you be less more obnoxious about less annoying in all areas of business. Like that's the stuff that's going to get people to 
like become aware of you at a broad funnel. Um, and yeah. That's, that's such a good point. I'm thinking right now, like I should make a collection of like customer service nightmares, <laughs> like just people like ranting about how terrible there's like a whole subreddit on this. I, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. There's the great, you remember that deep Sentinel, um, mm-hmm. company, have you gone to their TikTok or their YouTube? No. I mean, it's the most viral content you could imagine. Like it's people getting like, if you do you have a ring or like a nest? No, I don't or, have any like video well, recording things. If you have a video recording thing, Ring has this thing where you can like, there's like a social aspect to it where you can share what people are doing. And so you can go to this neighborhood function and you see basically all these ridiculous things where people are like, like either meth heads or like stumbling around, like, you know, trying to get in a house or sleeping on the doorstep or someone stealing a package, like the things that like you watch the news for, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. super entertaining. Um, I mean, that's what Deep Sentinel does is they take their, their craziest like interventions, um, you know, where they like jump on the camera and someone's like, and they, sh- they film the interaction and then they post it on social media. Hmm. And you have that, I think customer service, if you could get recordings of customer service and then like <laughs> fix those, like that, talk about top of the funnel content. Yeah. That gets wow. getting into like more of a media company. It's probably, yeah, it's too much to wish for that I would ever be like putting out super entertaining viral content, but that is that that that's an interesting idea. You know Lucid did this. Like one of the big ways Lucid like got growth was some of their Lucid chart uh oh, YouTube yeah. videos. I think it was Well they made they made like funny flow charts yes. of like b- weird weird crap, right? Yes, yes. Hmm. Okay, I'll have to put some thought into that. I th- I think uh I'm I'm on board for it being less annoying business and probably being customer service focused. I think what this means is I need to, what we just said earlier. Once you start writing posts, you get it spiders. I have like two ideas for customer service posts. I just need to write like my, my post next week should be one of those. And then I'll see where it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, you're right though. It will. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the refactoring UI. Do, do you know refactoring UI? Mm-hmm. I bought um, it. You bought it. Did you follow them on Twitter? It's like Steve Sugar and, um, I forget the other guy's name. Um, they Their Twitter promotion was great for this because... So one of them's a designer, one's a programmer. Whoever the designer is of the two would just tweet out these like hot tips, basically, that was just like a screenshot of, here's like text where uh, you know it's a little wrong and I, I changed the font size and made it medium font weight and like now it looks great, right? Just like really quick little snippets like that. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to follow you on Twitter for sure. And then he just built this like massive audience for these little tips, which then they sold like millions of dollars worth of this ebook the day it launched. Um, I'm not in any way expecting that kind of result, but like I do think maybe if if I go this route, my Twitter account might go pretty heavy towards customer service for a while and just be like every tiny little insight I can come up with. At some point, there was a conversation with Tyler Tringas around whether or not differentiate like entering a saturated market without differentiation and you were kind of making the argument that less knowing crm does that with success your differentiation is customer service yeah i'm sorry it is and i think that uh yeah like there's something there that uh people will will gobble up i i've gobbled it up on this episode um i mean on this podcast uh so i'm yeah go 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 okay okay i'm sold thank you (laughs) um 
All right. Uh, hey, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, I have a favor to ask. Please write a review on the podcast app of your choice because reviews play a huge role in helping other people discover useful podcasts. And if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week. See you.